Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, C. Zawadi Morris is back. She is an award-winning journalist and a Chicago native who moved to Brooklyn. Miss Morris launched The Brooklyn Reader, an online news source covering the neighborhoods of central Brooklyn. And in 2020, she launched its nonprofit sister site. It's called scribe.org, a collaborative news source for investigative local journalism. Miss Morris is also the executive producer of the COVID-19 Writers Project. And welcome, Lois Thompson. It's a perfect time to have you here, Lois. She's savvy, she's witty, and utterly devoted to her clients. Lois Thompson is on a mission to make real estate enjoyable. Her ability to ease concerns and dissipate fears is lauded among her clients who appreciate her ability to talk them off the ledge with informed guidance, deep knowledge of market data, and transparency. When not helping her clients find their place in the world, Lois is an in-demand comedian. She's the host and producer of the all-female black-like comedy show at her brother's Fort Greene restaurant, Brooklyn Moon. And she produces and hosts the comedy portion of the Brooklyn Pride Celebration. Vanessa Gonzalez is here. She's back. Yes, we had her as a panel on our live podcast show in Austin for the Moon Tower County Festival. And it's so great to have her back. She started improv, sketch, and stand-up comedy in Austin, Texas. She was voted Best Stand-Up Comic. She's been featured on True TV's Laugh Moms, Laugh Tracks, HBO Latinos, Entreno, and has a half-hour Comedy Central Stand-Up Presents special. Vulture named her one of their comedians you should and will know in 2019. And she made her late night debut on A Little Late with Lily Singh on NBC. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review us. That's important. And rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcasts at gmail. Our Instagram is friendslikeuspodcasts. And Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. So go to our Patreon backslash friendslikeus and support your favorite podcast. Merch is available with the new logo. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, tank tops, all available for purchase at marinafranklin.com. And weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live. I give updates to the shows, shout out fans who leave reviews. And we have guest friends from the podcast. Like this past week, we had Zainab Johnson and Suba Agurwo. Oh, and we sometimes offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. And with friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Most important, tell a friend you know to check us out. Wash those dirty little hands. Still wear a mask if you want to. Get vaccinated, but no judgments if you don't, but kinda. And Black Lives Matter. Welcome to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. Today with me, I have a really great group. I have Vanessa Gonzalez, who I met at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Hello, Vanessa. Hi, thanks so much for having me. 
Oh, it's great to have you here. How you been, Vanessa? I'm good. I'm good. I I was in LA for two years, and then when everything shut down, I came back to Austin. Uh, but it's been nice being back home. All right, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and we also have Lois Thompson. Welcome back, Lois. It's been thank too you, long. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Pleasure to be here. And she is a comedian, very funny comedian, and realtor. Yes, yes in am. Brooklyn. And so Wadi is here. Yes, from Brooklyn Book BK Reader in the house. What's up, Marina? Good <laughs> best friends, family. Should <laughs> have gone on that trip with you to Mexico. You should have. They all <laughs> left me and went to Hawaii. Oh, oh wow. I told I told somebody, I said, no, the first thing I should do is see my family. And those mofos went to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone to Hawaii, yeah. Hello, really? <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, why did I try to be this little family girl when they were like, no, nah, we out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, what makes a top, like, what, I mean, what makes a top realtor? I mean, I already know that Lois is awesome, but what makes you great? Yeah, <laughs> being, a human, being a human being in a business that can be very inhumane, I think it makes a big difference. Like most of the testimonials I get uh, from my people are like, wow, my God, like you actually just sat there and listened to me talk because people in sales have a tendency not to listen because they're yeah. too busy selling. But the truth of the matter is, you know, you're, you're, you're in the business of managing human emotions at a very pivotal time in people's lives. They're either creating a home or they're disbanding their home. You know, like they're moving from some place that they've known forever. You have one opportunity to sell your house. You know, there isn't like, like, oh, I didn't get enough money. Let me try again. You've got one opportunity and it's got to be right. And, you know, it just, you just got to really sit with people and listen to what their needs actually are. And sometimes it's not always the money. There are lots of other things that are that balls that people are juggling. It's like, you know what? It's more important to me that my mom be in this particular situation while we go through this, you know, and then you have to find a particular buyer that's going to accommodate that situation. I always try to have it that my sellers are never in a position where, oh, my God, like I got to like, like there's something that they are losing, like in their self, in their person through going through this process. You can't have that. You know, everyone's got to leave the table feeling whole. That that's my spiel. No, it's a it's it's so important because like you're right. Like as I'm I'm everyone is going through this process right now. They're all thinking about where they live, and it maybe a lot of of us have figured out that we weren't living the way we should have been. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the conversation that a lot of us. I mean, I was walking on a Harlem block, not two steps without hearing everyone is talking about real estate. Everyone is talking about it. Everyone's talking about where they want to move, if they're happy here. It's just, you know, this has to have been like a crazy time for you. Like this past year, like what was different? I mean, I kind of can tell, but. <laughs> you can see my gray halo. halo. See my gray hair. Yeah, I like, I like, I have the comb over just forward here to cover my gray hair. Um, what's different is that people are, when you work from home, when you are suddenly in the situation where you are in the place where you have been living, you could have been living there forever. But when you are stuck in that spot, you start to notice everything. 
And a, a lot of people started to realize, you know what? I'm not happy here. This is not enough space. The person I'm with is either the wrong person or we need a bigger space so that we can continue to be together. A lot of that was happening. And so you've got a lot of people splitting off into, you know, singles or big roommate situations, of course, had to break up. You know, so all, the, all that collegiate housing that they had going uh, going on, a lot of that is empty. A lot of that empty now because people couldn't live, to, could not, for medical reasons, live together. You know, for the <laughs> yeah. reason of the pain, they just couldn't stay together. Right. But let me tell you what's an interesting thing. I'm noticing that a lot of those landlords that made those apartments are now warehousing the apartments because rent is so you know rent rent is recovering but it's still a little bit you know it's in the it's in the crapper a little bit so they would rather take this loss now to come back at a rent that you know where they want to be at where they feel that they're making the most profit then to now get into this situation where you have rent forgiveness and all this kind of, you know, these programs going on and get stuck with somebody that then they either have to take the housing court or they get stuck with that low rent mm, you right. know, for a year or two years. So a lot of that's happening too. So you're going to see as the rents go up, all of a sudden, all these apartments are going to come available that aren't available right now. That's right. You know, it's just like common sense. Like, you know, for the first time, I never thought about the landlord in a way of like someone who also needs to make money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I the thing, too. It's like the, the, the class, the way we deal with the class system. It's so like, oh, your landlord, you're rich. No, some people, this is the only thing they have. And if you come out there like the renter, like, oh, you're rich. I don't want to pay my rent. It's like, OK, if you don't pay your rent, I can't pay my mortgage. Like, there's no way I don't understand how you're doing a rent forgiveness program and you're not doing a mortgage forgiveness program. Those right, two things yeah. have to work hand in hand, because especially people that are handing hand, and it's normally it's usually us people that are just barely hanging on, like their buildings are just barely making it. If the rent, if, if the water goes up, you know, one and a quarter percent, all of a sudden they're in the red. Because you have to provide water and now you got to spend more money for that water and people are now paying you less, if not paying you at all. Those people are going to lose their buildings and who sweeps in and picks them up, you know, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, and yeah, the city or, you know, the city adjacent people, as I like to call them, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's ridiculous yeah no that's why i moved back uh from la when everything shut down i wasn't working you know full-time comic and they were like well you'll get rent forgiveness for six months but then you got to pay it back and i was like how am i gonna pay it back if i'm not (laughs) there's no work (laughs) so i i came back home Mm -hmm. good yeah good and for good reason yeah but it's been it's it's been good so far but yeah i was like real fast all of a sudden you had to make a a decision like well do we wait it out everything was so up in the air when is it gonna open a couple months turned into two years now almost (laughs) how about that (laughs) yeah thought you're gonna be home for two weeks (laughs) yeah exactly So I am curious, like, with this going on, like, do you, when James Altucher, who (laughs) wrote that article about New York City and, you know, the incentives for corporations leaving, like, you know, it's funny because James Altucher is the person who actually supports my podcast. So I'm not going to trash him. I love the guy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's the reason we kept going. Seriously. He was like, 
the one person who took me out of feeling like I needed to be at a network. And he was like, listen, I believe in your podcast. I wanted to keep going. So I'm going to help you out. And I've never, ever in my life had anyone do that to me. So I'm not going to trash James, but. <laughs> but. However. <laughs> I do disagree with the fact that New York is not going to make a comeback. Or am I wrong? I think New York is. I mean, we have that one article. What does it say here? Uh, New York City's future with jobs going remote, urban establishments closing down. And residents fleeing the city, the future of cities like New York is up in the air. So, I know. Well, he's saying that it's up in the air. That's different than um, not make a comeback. I think uh, if for me, especially, I'm reporting on different aspects of what's, what's happening inside of COVID right now. And all I can see clearly, there's a lot I can't see clearly, but all I can see clearly is that everything's going to be changed. Things are going to be different. And they're really moving in the natural order of things. If you look at where we're going digitally, you know, so we need to adjust. You know, we we hesitated in adjusting to, um, you know, albums turning into MP3s, you know, and, and we, we, we lost out because of that. We, you know, a lot of us, um, the newspaper industry, which I'm in now, hesitated in adjusting to the fact that um, all news was going digital. And because they did not make those adjustments quick enough, a lot of the print publications ended up closing because they were in denial. So you know, just to not get caught in that vortex, you have to begin looking forward and looking ahead and being nimble and being prepared to adjust to what's happening. I don't think it's ne necessarily an, an erosion into dust. And I said this the last time I was on your show, Marina, you know, we, the number, the first thing we learn in science is that all energy is transferred. It's never lost. And so all of that energy is still out there. Um, you just have to identify where it is, where it's gone, harness it, and um, keep going. So I do see New York City surviving. There's no way it, it's not going to come back. I mean, all of the cities kind of look to New York in the same way that, you know, the, the rest of the world looks to the United States. So um, they'll be looking in many ways to our example, but we have to be the smart ones, you know, leading in how we're going to work, you know, from now on. And you're right, that remote work is going to be key. Uh, figuring out how to keep that money in the United States is is what they should be thinking about because you know um, a lot of that a lot of that money is is fleeing out because we can now move about the world. The world has become our our community. Our it's like our you know how you right now our neighborhood is 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 what we see in our you know the one block or the one square mi uh, radius. Is, it's going to become our community is going to become the world. And so figuring out how to uh, keep commerce going and make it make sense for us with a global view is going to be key, I think. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think that is so true. And I wish I could hold on to that because like as a stand up and I'm sure Lois and Vanessa, you know this, like we were doing, I don't know, did you guys do Zooms or? Yeah. I did a couple of Zooms. Yeah. I, I brought Blacklight back as a Zoom show after, you know, once I wrapped my head around it. I only started it back in January. But um, it's, you know, yeah, it's not the same vibe. I mean, God knows. Yeah. You just, you know, you're looking at people and it, everyone has to be muted most of the time or it's too much noise. It's so all you see is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have yeah. everyone on. I have everyone unmuted when I did my Zooms. I tell them to unmute, but that's right. They do look funny going. 
Man, I, but the thing that was surprising to me about the Zoom shows is that, like, people wanted, it was like almost tuning into a live podcast. Like, I would yes. see people in their cars, you know, rolling joints, getting and just listening <laughs> to the comedy show. And it's just like, yeah, have fun. <laughs> you know? People really do get into it. They were, and I stopped and they were like, and I, I know I still have to have one more because everyone's like, Marina, don't stop doing these. And I was like, because these are people from like what Sawadi was saying. Like, these are people like in other countries yes. watching um, yes. that cannot see me live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving them access to me almost monthly where they didn't before. Yeah. yeah. So. I- I think that might be an important thing to maybe maintain just once a month because that is a great way of kind of expanding your reach as opposed to like, you know, the comedy club. The Zooms are are a segment. They're a segment of the audience. I I think we want to believe that the Zooms are going to be popular with everyone and they're just not. You know, just like how some podcast, podcasting, my husband loves podcasting. I don't really do that. even though this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're on a he podcast. Lo- he, lo- he loves podcasts. You know, there's, that's a certain segment that does that. There's a, a certain segment that reads, still reads books, books, you yes. know? And so that, that the audience, the Zoom audience is a segment. And if we, if we, you know, we have to look at it that way instead of looking at it as like, oh, I didn't get all of my former people who follow me on, on this Zoom this time. It's because some people, I don't, I don't do Zoom for entertainment. I just don't. But there are people who do, (laughs) who appreciate seeing the face and being live. And so just tap into that audience. Yeah, definitely. Lois is right. And and YouTube also. Like, I found, like, because I see, I've had a difficult time because I figured this, the comedy clubs, I was wondering how it was going to work once the comedy clubs opened back up. Were we going to be able to still do Zooms? And it is actually difficult because you cannot, I'm booked. Yeah. So I can't plan a Zoom and then get booked, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't cancel those tickets. Actually, it's very hard to cancel if you have a Zoom show. And it's like, unless I take that laptop to the <laughs> actual show, but it's really hard to figure out. So it's like I've got to make sure that day nothing happens. So it's it's hard to plan out far in advance for a Zoom show. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. You got to have your Zoom day <laughs> and then that i've i've had that trouble now recently too because the zoom shows are booked but now the live shows are calling and they're paying more so i'm like oh sorry i gotta go do this (laughs) i sacrificed probably a hundred dollars next week just because i took on someone's zoom show on a tuesday and a clubhouse thing on a wednesday and I felt like I have to do, you know, it was one of those things where I feel like I obligated, I should do it, but I'm losing a hundred bucks. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, this is now where it gets complicated, where something was so weird during the pandemic where we knew we were never going to open back up Right. <laughs> yeah. for months, <laughs> for like two months, we knew we were locked down. Yeah. Yeah. And we could plan out like two months of nothing. <laughs> yes. right. Yeah, I'm open. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone slightly miss it? Oh, I absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Isn't that terrible to say? No, it's not. But, I say it all the time. Oh, wow. Do y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. I, I feel like now, like at the beginning of the pandemic, when everything happened so fast, shut down, that anxiety of like, 
what's happening. I don't know. I feel the same anxiety now as everything opens up. I'm like, no, it's too, mm-hmm. it's too fast. I'm not ready. <laughs> yes, yes. And only, I think only, uh, was it 54 or 57% of New Yorkers are vaccinated? And now that I the CDC it was 42, has 42. Oh, wow. Oh, Jesus. Is it? Yeah. Just maybe 57% today. of Americans. So the thing about it is that now that the CDC has kind of given you the carte blanche to, you know, you can take your mask off, we have to go on the honor system, like, and just assume that this person that has their mask off as well has been vaccinated. And I don't think that's entirely true. It's not cool. Yeah. It's not cool at all. And I don't feel good about getting into tight spaces with people. I'm still doing six feet. I'm doing 10. I do as many feet as I possibly can, you know, just to stay away from people. It's just. It's very strange. And you're right. I mean, that part of it is like the understanding of taking care of other people needs to maintain. It needs to continue. And I think when they strip that away, because I think it's tomorrow, is it that in New York, you can go inside without a mask? It's like mandated or the mandate is re- is uh, uplifted or yeah. The 19th? What's today? It's on the 19th, I believe. That's, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow's tomorrow. the 19th. So tomorrow you can go inside without a mask in New York City. Now, Vanessa, you're in Austin. Austin. So I don't know what what is the rules there? Like, oh. you know, I often think of it being a crazy town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're right. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like Austin is definitely more, you know, um, like people are wearing masks and stuff, but if you go 20 minutes outside of Austin, it's no one wears masks. It's been open this whole time. We, we got water parks, theme parks that are open. Um, so it's been open for a while. Like my, my brothers live, in New Braunfels, which is about an hour uh, south of Austin. And it's just a whole different, like that nobody cares there. It, it's been like that for months where you're just like, oh, y'all are over it. Uh, but I'm like the like one of the only ones with a mask on and stuff. But luckily here in Austin, people are more like, no, let's keep the mask on and keep, you know, keeping each other safe. But yeah, Texas is... Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's going to be so crazy traveling and seeing the differences because I haven't, I don't know about Lois or I haven't, and Vanessa, I've not gotten on a plane to do stand up. Me either. Yeah. I, I, I haven't either, but I'm, I'm like anticipating that I'm gonna soon, but I'm still nervous about it. Yeah. <laughs> And Zawadi went to Mexico, so she was on a plane. <laughs> How was that? Twice. I went twice. How was it? So um, I was the first time I had the shield, the mask, like double mask, the, the face shield and all of that. Um, and, you know, I you do what you got to do, you know, if, if you're motivated to be someplace. And I just needed at the end of the pandemic to just be away in fresh air and walk about. But um the second time I went, I read that the incidences of catching on a plane were so infinitesimally low, like super duper low. Like it just isn't happening. But how do they trace that? I didn't, I didn't, right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, 
they've got their who knows you know i i saw a meme yesterday it says the cdc now recommends that uh at the end of this pandemic you can treat yourself with a little crack a little crack <laughs> what <laughs> What? It was, it was, it was a, you know, they were, it was being facetious because the CDC recommends this. The CDC recommends that. The C- so it was being, a, it was a facetious meme. That's hilarious. <laughs> and so, hilarious. you know, it's like the, sometimes the things that the CDC comes up right, with seem random, right. you know, where is yeah. it coming from? But yeah, that's what it said. And um, so the second time I didn't do the shield, but I did the, the, the face mask and, you know, I've, you know, I've been, I've been fine. And, and when I got to Mexico, it was like every, body you could not walk they were very strict but they weren't at the same time you could not walk into a closed space without a mask i mean they seriously you could have been the president they will kick you out but when you're outdoors you can take it off i mean it's like 150 11 degrees in mexico well that that makes sense to me though it's like you know i i just feel like what's one more month of that like outside take it off inside keep it on because we know that like 50% of the population is not vaccinated. And we know that people don't really care about other people. We've seen it. And it's going to be, we're going to see these, this, I know people who are not vaccinated um, walking around. And I know that there are people who have, they've said the girl who does my eyebrows. She was like, it's my choice. I'm not getting vaccinated. And I was like, what? Was she like breathing on you really up close as she was telling you this? I had my mask on while she was doing my, thank God I had my mask on. But I was like, are you sure you want to do that? You're with a lot of people, like contact in close space, you know? Um, And she was like, I want to have children. And I was like, oh no, where did you get that information from? And she didn't have information. She was just. Because somebody said. Somebody said. And it's like, and I know there are people who are listening to this right now going, Marina, yes, it's my choice. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing there's a lot of like anti, you know, people who are not vaccinated. And I try not to be judgmental because I do realize there is fear with this vaccine. I I get it. But at the same time, it's like I worry Mm -hmm. about those people and how they're going to. I mean, we still see people who are vaccinated who get the virus. Mm -hmm. Right. And they are fine. The reason they're fine is because they're vaccinated. Right. That is the thing that's not been communicated when they go, Bill Maher got the virus. He goes, yeah, but he didn't die from it. That's the whole point. Yeah, it gives you some kind of shield of protection. I mean, if I imagine, I mean, viruses act as viruses do. They mutate. So if all these people are out there and not being vaccinated, there will be the emergence of a third super variant. There will be a super variant. And that super variant is going to kill a lot of people. It's going to make us sick, but it's going to kill a bunch of other people because folks just haven't gone ahead and done the vaccination on this level. This is the level where we have a chance to stop this. When it gets beyond this, we're going to be chasing a train and it's going to be terrible. Look at India. I mean, it's tragic. And then I have this article because I have a new young assistant, um, Yamini, who put this article in. Thank you. Um, COVID black market in India. India's COVID crisis has caused a black market to emerge more than ever. Hospitals and patients need oxygen, medicine, and other healthcare resources, which are extremely limited in supply. 
and the government is failing to distribute these resources efficiently. So scammers are taking this as an opportunity to prey on the most vulnerable. Hospital workers are charging exorbitant fees for access to beds. Online sellers are giving patients potentially life-threatening fake drugs. And funeral homes are inflating service prices. Like they talk of one story of someone needing to go three miles and they paid, they charged them $70 for three miles. I mean, I would walk, but maybe they couldn't walk because they were sick. You know what I'm saying? And then here's the police say, um, um, a business called Varsha Engineering, essentially a scrapyard, had been repainting fire extinguishers and selling them as oxygen canisters. Wow. Oh That's just bottom. God. That is bottom feeding. It's just one of those things where you see what's happening over there and then you think, this could have easily been the, we're look, I'm looking at this, I'm like, yeah, this was the United States on, on its way. Definitely on its way. Absolutely. And, and 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 at the basis of the spread in India was the fact that they had that election going on. And these politicians were paying absolutely no mind to any kind of protocols. There were millions of people jammed like in together at these rallies. And I'm like, a real disease is spreading, you know, and they like, they just wanted to win. It meant nothing. So these, these people's lives have meant nothing to them. Mm-hmm. Outrageous, outrageous. Yeah. And it's a place, like I said on the last podcast, yoga, peace, mm. meditation, mm-hmm. spirituality, spirituality. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it breaks my heart um, because I do sense that they are us. Mm-hmm. They are us. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. I mean, just being in Texas, like it's, I feel like, you know, when Abbott was just like, yeah, we're done. It's open. It's like, we, yeah, we could, it, to me, it felt being here, we can easily be that easily because they're, it's the same politics and they're just like, no, yeah, go get out there and uh, not, not making it important. The Orthodox community in Brooklyn really had like the, the gathering was the difficult one to separate. Right. Mm-hmm. And can you see that where you live or both you and Zawadi? It's not near. I mean, when you drive through when you drive through Williamsburg, I mean, there are places. There's Wallabout, which is right on the outside of Clinton Hill, and that takes you right into Williamsburg, and that's where you you drive down that street. You drive down White Street. You drive down Lee Avenue, which is Nostrand on the other side of uh, the BQE. Not a mask in sight. People all over the place. Now, I would literally drive through that, my windows up, like because I was like, wow, this is like really crazy. So there's nothing. I mean. They were at the at the at the core of the measles outbreak. Like measles was making a comeback because they refused to get their kids vaccinated. I had a woman yesterday in Brooklyn. I was by the Steiner Studios. Mm-hmm. Is that that's over? Uh, it, it's right. It's right in that middle area by the sugar sugar uh, factory, the old sugar factory. Okay. Old yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I had a woman ask me to turn off her stove for her. Orthodox. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a money-making thing. Who used to do that? There's one, there's a male comic that I didn't get any bit. money though. Wait, wait why oh, yeah. would she ask you to turn off her stove? They can't do during the day. They, they can't touch electricity or during the Sabbath. Oh, I've heard that. Okay. Yeah. 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 
But there was one comic that he used to make a lot of money. He just used to walk around. They used to ask him, come in here, turn this off, you know, turn on this light, turn up that. And he'd make tons of money walking around Williamsburg on Sabbath. I loved walking around that, too. I that's I just had no idea I was going to be asked to come in, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like, is this a trick? I do enjoy walking around communities where I know I'm not a part of it um, and just seeing how they live. And I'm just very fascinated by this, you know, the whole thing. And that, so the kids, their little bang, I, they're so cute. The little, the little <laughs> the side, the side bangs. The side, I, they're, they're so cute. And then like, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, it's weird what I do. I think your baby hairs are laid. but uh this woman did ask me to come in and i i'm i was excited i'm not gonna lie and then i was like wait a minute if i go in there i she could kill like what the hell (laughs) and then i was like wait what am i doing i'm just walking into this woman's house and then i stopped and she saw the fear in my eyes she didn't think of it as like she could kill me she was like oh you could wear a mask she knew already uh, what he thought my fear was was COVID. Of my percept the perception that people have of them is that they spread COVID. Yeah. And she had no idea that I was like, no, I'm thinking you're gonna take a bag, put it over my head. <laughs> you're like, I'm from Chicago. It's like my, my head went somewhere else. <laughs> I don't and, play and, <laughs> walking into buildings. <laughs> we don't do that. Yeah, and beat the hell out of me. But I was like, but I did do it. I turned off her her stove. She had it on. It was on like one notch, and they were like all they were all in there, and and I was like looking around, and you know, and then she offered me like a cookie or something, and I was like, no, no, it's all good. It's I'm all good. 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 Thanks. You have no idea how much I wanted to see this. I really yeah. wanted to see see your life, and I wanted to sit down and tell them I was twelve percent Ashkenazi, so that they could go. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. But twelve um, percent, twelve percent. I don't care. Get out of here, please. <laughs> well, you know, Lois, I got to ask you why you're here because you know I've been thinking about moving. Okay. So this is very selfish of me. I'm sorry, but I, but Vanessa, like. I, I'm also curious, how come you don't come to New York? Why LA? Um, yeah, I don't know. I was I'm I've I'm from the border. I'm from South Texas. So LA just felt more like a I can it felt like similar vibes. You know, they got cholos there too. So let me <laughs> <laughs> let me go there. Um, I like the sun. I'm I think a big part of it is like I me and snow no no thank you (laughs) and we just had a fucking winter storm here this past year where it snowed for four days we all thought we were gonna die it was not (laughs) it was bad um so definitely the weather and just yeah i was like i think la i can do but the earthquakes and all i was not a fan of the fires all that stuff i've never heard anyone say I'm a fan of earthquakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the people, I, I know I have friends that live there. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm used to them. They're fun. I'm like, no. <laughs> no. I experienced yeah. an earthquake there, but I just think you would be so great in New York. You oh. know, you're such a, you're a great comedian. 
So I'd like to see you out here. I would love to go. I'm well, when we were talking about New York, I'm like, it better make a comeback. It better be, you know, and I see, um, you know, shows popping up more. So I definitely want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Lois, I need to see more of you in the city at the clubs. Yes. <laughs> of course. What's going on? <laughs> I uh, well, you know, I got a, I got a, a, a kid that I, I love, and I got to spend like every single waking moment with her because it just changes. She changes every single day, which is really, really amazing and phenomenal. I never, I mean, I didn't think I was going to be a bad parent, but I'm kind of surprised at how good of a parent I am. Yeah. I'm very pleased with myself. I'm very pleased with my parenting skills and my patience and all that good stuff. Well, you always seemed like a very patient person so oh, i did i good yeah. show i put on i put on a good show i'm i'm very <laughs> <laughs> take five seconds too long with something and like you know in my head i'm like you're just stupid you can't get it done because you're stupid <laughs> she's a... how old is she she's three. Mm. Oh, did you have her since a baby she's three years old yes did, did growing up from a baby to now yeah yeah, yeah from baby to now yeah we had her we had her yeah, we had her. We, we didn't find her like we wanted to it would have been much cheaper just to find her i certainly was looking on baby looking for babies on the street i was like you know really i don't understand all these kids that people are just throwing out here and there no one won't throw one in my direction well happy belated mother's day you know it's funny yeah. they kept wishing me happy mother's day and i ain't a mother Oh, <laughs> I get that too. <laughs> oh, you've been getting it too? Yeah. I was like crossing the street. Do you want it? Would you want to be a mother, Marina? Well, I can't now. I mean, I guess I could. You know, I have to look to my 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 lesbian sisters and go, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I forget. I forget. Yeah. I'm like you can you can you can adopt even by yourself and foster by yourself. I forgot that. Yeah, because I'm at an age where it's not possible really. I mean, I you know, unless I was Janet Jackson and had some money to like kind of lie Child. about it. Because <laughs> they, they make that story out to be like she had it herself. We know that it was complicated. Oh, it's complicated, right? It was complicated like three other people yeah it's uh, biology ain't money ain't got nothing to do with biology yeah. hello sometimes you can't buy an egg for real for real for real for real <laughs> for real for real you know and the thing is is like i know with when i was actually thinking about it infertility the number of black women that have eggs that are available is very it's very low wow mm -hmm. yeah if i wanted to have a like a a, a Let's say someone's egg that looks like me and a yeah. guy and a guy but that's what they do that's how they do it they get an egg of someone that kind of looks like you and then they get a guy and they mix it up and then you go see i had it <laughs> wow. yeah but there's not a lot of black eggs out there <laughs> Right. True than matter. Not a lot of black eggs. Exactly. Everyone throws everyone throws out the black jelly bean. They throw out the black egg too. So <laughs> let me ask you, Lois. This black the black homer had a white friend stand in for a third appraisal. Her home value doubled. So you saw this article. So for months, Charlotte Duffy suspected she had been lowballed on two home appraisals because she's black. She decided to put that suspicion to the test and asked a white family friend to stand in for her during an appraisal. Her home's value suddenly 
shot up. During the early months of the coronavirus pandemic last year, the first two appraisers who visited her home in the historic Flanner House Homes neighborhood, just west of downtown, valued it at $125,000 and $110,000, respectively. But the appraisal where her white male friend stood in went differently. The home's new value, $259,000. And now she wants justice along with the Fair Housing Center of Central Indiana, which, you know, this is where, by the way, Lois, I was thinking of buying a home. Duffy has filed fair housing complaints against the mortgage lenders and appraisers she accuses of undervaluing her home because of her race. So, Lois, you see this a lot? Listen, people, the United States is a racist place. The systems in place in the United States are racist. So it's not as if you're suddenly going to move into the realm of real estate and it's going to be this bubble of equity. It's not possible. Part of of people of color not having access is to make sure that they never make enough money to be anywhere where you are. You dig that? Like that's that's really the bottom. I don't want to see you. Do you understand that that is the fundamental consciousness of the United States? So, yeah, does it happen? Of course. Do I have black homeowners who believe that if they hire a white agent, they're going to get more money? Yeah, it happens a lot, particularly in Bed-Stuy. Because you're talking, you know, folks that have been there forever and, and, you know, they see white folks coming in like, well, I need a white person to get another white person to pay me the money that I want for this house. It's a real thing. It's systemic. It's, it's, you cannot get away from it. There's rules in place, but there, there's no oversight to the degree where people should be getting caught the way they should be getting caught. Particularly when it comes to the appraisal process, for sure. So what does a person do? Like, what, where's the hope? You find your white friend to stand in for you for your appraisal. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate right. to say, I hate to say that. Where's the hope? I mean, the hope is in, you know, a, 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 a shift in consciousness, a shift in leadership such that then you do have the oversight or you do, you know, it's just more vigorous. Like the oversight is more vigorous than it is now because you can't make any more rules. The rules are there. They just are not followed. They're pretty much ignored. That's really what it is. So every time someone says, oh, we're going to pass legislation that you can't choke somebody to death. Didn't we already do that? But we're going to do it again as if it's going to stop these people from doing that. When it's like, no, what you need to do is weed out white supremacy from our our law enforcement system. Duh. Our law enforcement needs to be all black women, really, if you want to have a, you want people to get a fair chance because that's just how we are. We will give you a chance over and over again. You can tell because there's a single black mother there with six kids. Oh, yeah. a chance over and over again. Oh, <laughs> oh Lois is fast. She be bringing it. Okay. Yeah, come on, Lois. Come on. I'm saying. I'm saying. Don't we just keep on giving people chances? Yes. 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 So, like, for someone like me who's new at like possibly wanting to buy get a mortgage and buying a home like and I was thinking of places like in, now Indiana was a place I would never think of but in um Michigan City Indiana it's a really nice little beach becoming a beach community 
It's very LGBTQ friendly, which I'm not, but my friend, I mean, I'm friendly, but I'm not LGBTQ. <laughs> and my, my we know friend, you ain't gay. We know. <laughs> but my friend who is, you know, Isis Zawadi, I told her that I said it's LGBTQ friendly. And she was like, Marina, why do you need to know that? I go, because if it's LGBTQ friendly, then I'm, it's going to be good. I want to be there. Am I right, Lois? Am I wrong? You know, it's so funny. People make the assumption that because like you're gay, that everything's okay with you. It's like, <laughs> it's not really true. There are a lot of very uptight, there are a lot of very uptight gay lesbian people in this world who don't want to live around this. They don't want to live around that. Like, you know, they're the same way that other people are. I just feel like overall it's Pretend better. to be gay when you get there. Just pretend. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is when I read this article, because she's talking about how she's selling, how her house doubled in the year in value. I think that's the right number. But I'm thinking she's Puerto Rican. I'm not. So I'm thinking like that may be different for me while I'm there. And this story is in Indiana. That's where it's coming from. So does this... Yeah. I mean, sorry to put you at work. No, live where I know, right? Live, <laughs> live where you are, live where you are happy, live where you're comfortable, live where you're appreciated, live where you feel safe, live where you feel like someone's going to have your back. That's such an important thing. It's like, I, I know that, you know, we always had to have that first black family that needed to move in to make headway in a certain, but God bless them. I could have never have done that. I could have never lived in a place where when I closed my eyes at night, I was not sure if I was going to open them in the morning or if something was going to come flying through my window. That was, that was my family integrated. Um, yeah. When we left Chicago, we, we were the first black family in, in our community. So we lived through that. But I see yeah. what you're saying though, Marina, about the LGBTQ friendly. I, I know that you're not talking about necessarily other wanting, you know, other gay people around you. I know you meant tolerance. And people like that's a that's for people to be open like that, completely open like that. You're kind of like there's a tolerance level that you can kind of feel comfortable with to be exactly who you are, you know. But um, you are crazy asking Isis that question. I know you're right. She was like, <laughs> she's used to you, though. <laughs> she is used to me. She really wants me to move out there. And that's the thing is like, I'm learning that I've got to do my homework. There's a lot more homework that I'm doing that I find. And Lois, you're probably hearing these stories of people who picked up, moved somewhere and then realizing this it's not for it. them. Yeah. yeah. And they're yeah. like, Vermont is another option that I was thinking of. And I know of stories of people who've gone to Vermont and they're like, no, I need to get back to New York. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get snowed in up there and, and hate yourself. So <laughs> speaking of snow vanessa no no vermont in your future uh, no <laughs> i had snow for a week and i lived that vermont life almost and no i was like the snowman should not be here <laughs> at the, anymore uh, i yeah i need a two-hour snowman and that's it <laughs> So what do you what would you suggest, Lois, for people to think about before purchasing a a home or a mortgage? Oh gosh, what to think about? I mean, you're where are you? Where where are your neighbors? Like walk around. 
Whatever you like, people. I'm so I'm always surprised by how few times people see a house before they purchase it. You come, especially with now with the bidding wars. You know, you walk in, you see it, you're like, okay, I'm putting down. You know, I'm going to put down this number for this house, and then you come back and see it again with the inspector. Maybe you come one other time with an architect. If it needs work, you're going to make some changes. You come another time with architect. That's three times. That's only really three times. And some people put it in a contract. I have to be able to get in at least five or six times. But the truth of the matter is, by the time you get to that fifth or sixth time, you're on contract. If you're not in contract by then, the seller's going to think that you're, you know, you're blowing smoke and they're going to move to the next buyer. And the next buyer, trust me, right now is there. Like, it's not a situation where it's like, oh, I'm going to come back to this two weeks from now. You have to make these decisions now. And then suddenly you close and you walk into the space and you go, I don't know, that was there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, know, and there's a hundred things that pop out to you. So I would say if you're going to buy anything, visit it as frequently as possible before you go into contract. Nice. When you go to the open house, it is an open house. Unless they put a limit on the amount of time you could be in there, which we kind of had to do during the COVID time, but maybe it might be a little bit more open now. Spend as much time in there as possible. Sit down and visit it at different times. Always see a place on the weekend. Always see a place a day of a day of it either raining or after it just after it's rained, particularly if it's rained a lot. Go check it out. Go to the top floor, look at all the corners. If you're moving to a building, look at the staircase to the roof and look at the staircase to the basement because that's going to let you know how the custodial staff takes care of the building. If those two things are dirty, they're not doing a lot of other stuff in between too. That is so crucial. That's great advice. Great. Yes, yes. That is great advice because I know just from where I live, I've told people, I'm like, when they're like looking at apartments, there's a girl who moved in and I said, I told you it wasn't good. What you, <laughs> what are you coming <laughs> for? I told you. Cause she was coming, she came in and I was like, they still packages cause she was ringing the doorbell and she wanted me to open it up. And she was like, oh, they still packages here. I was thinking about moving here. I go, yes, <laughs> they do. And then she moved in and she was like, oh, can I, is this a problem? I go, I told you. <laughs> she thought you were lying because you're black and dishonest right right yes you know and um it's so important what you said about the ceiling because when it rains on my apartment there is a leak that comes from the rooftop down only after it rains can you see that (laughs) and then the weekends that's when the the um there's a bar that opened up underneath i've been talking about this incest the audience is so sick of me now but (laughs) there is a a bar underneath me that opened up behind my in behind the building where it was always quiet Mm -hmm. and they put an outdoor bar which is underneath basically my window fantastic great and i'm in mediation with them i'm actually winning good because i called um um department the building um what is it? Department of Building. Yeah, DOB. DOB. Did you call the the community board too? Oh, girl, honey, the mm. community board is where that baby. You want to get something done? Call I, the community I, board. I was at the community board. I found out everything. And here's the thing about community board, though, they've got alliances and there's like friendships and they take care of people. And sometimes restaurant owners are part of the community board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
But what I did with the community board was they did hear me out and they put us through mediation. We went through mediation. So now they have to abide by some of these things we agreed in mediation and they're not, which I will go back to the community board and remind them that I did the right thing and they didn't abide by it. Mm. Do you have a decibel meter? I did have one, but I think it, it damaged my last phone. So. <laughs> um, but it was going up to 60 in my yeah. apartment. Oh, that's crazy. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah, 60. That's a lot. And that's just, it's 40 normal because there's a, a generator back there running. So it was at 60. And, I, and now I'm in communications with the bar owner. So I told him, I said, I don't want to ruin your business. But I do think that you need to consider that there's a community that lives around you. If you want to be a part of the community, then you need to like do the right thing. Yeah, and and so he's he's down for doing the right thing so far, but it's very expensive to fix the sound issue. Mm-hmm. But I got I got him, man. I got him. <laughs> the, the Department of Building was like they had no license for the construction that they actually did and are doing. Ooh. Wow! <laughs> yeah, wow. that's the thing. So they got a huge fine. Did they? They get a, did they get fined for not having the permit? There's a summons. I don't know how much the fine is. They got to go. I, I looked. Yeah. And they've stopped it all. Stop work order. They stopped, yeah. Yeah, good. Good. Good job. I love to hear people winning. I love it. I love it. Well, I had time, you know. I had time. <laughs> I had time again. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I saw them showing the apartments to people, and I'm like, you need to be on this side of the building on the weekend to hear what is going on? Because you don't want to pay, you know, two grand for an apartment that, by the way, they made into a one bedroom apartment, which was originally a studio, which is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then hear the sound. And guess what? Everybody has left. Wow. It's like five, maybe, maybe seven tenants left in this building. Out of how many? I would say maybe 24. Wow. Holy yeah. cow. I'm surprised that the owner of the building hasn't taken up more of a stand against the against the uh, noise from the business. That would make sense. I think it's because he doesn't believe it's because of the noise is why they've left. I've told him, I said, you have people who have left because they don't want to fight. And then you also, he's also like charging too much for what it is. So they left. And I think you're when you say that they'll rather just sit on the property than to that's what he's yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been here forever, so I ain't going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stabilize, baby. Try me. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about um oh Ella DeGeneres canceled. <laughs> are we fan are we still fans of Ella DeGeneres or she's gone? Yeah. I like Ellen. Why don't we like Ellen? No, no, I like Ellen, but you know, you can't play the nice guy and then people find out you're not really nice. Like that never works. Is that what happened? Like Bill Cosby. Yeah. He was everybody's <laughs> so daddy. She, so so Ellen's, Ellen's not nice. I didn't know no. that. Well, I, I didn't know I don't, it I don't either. follow celebrities at all. <laughs> so I, I, I would, I wouldn't know, but so I, I like Ellen. I thought she was, cool chick but she's she's it's come out that she's not nice 
Yeah, there's culture behind the scenes on her productions that people are very like vindictive and, you know, um, uh, uh, what's the word? There's another word for it, but pretty abusive, like emotionally and psychologically abusive. It's like a toxic environment. The toxic environment. There you go. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. When did toxic environments become like canceled? Uh, after Harvey Weinstein, I think. I think yeah. there was something. There was something about the conviction of Harvey Weinstein that really kind of. Now they're like, yeah, yeah, things are really, really changing now because if they're going to convict that guy, I mean, he was, you know, he was the king of Hollywood, the king, mm -hmm. literally. He was, he was a star maker, and they convicted him. Bill Cosby. That didn't happen with Cosby because it's like he's black, so yeah, of course he got convicted. You were kind of like, yeah, but Harvey Weinstein—that's a whole other ball game. Vanessa, were you a fan of Ella DeGeneres? Yeah, well, it's funny. When I was in L.A., I would watch it every day at 3, and I would, like, the games, and I'm like, this is, and I would cry every time she'd give a family a house. I'd be crying every time. And But being in L.A., I would hear, like, you know, every now and then, like, oh, yeah, someone worked for her. She's a monster or whatever. But then I saw that link that, that link you sent, and she talked recently and she said that she had no idea and that she's nice and I don't know. So I'm like, I don't know. Is it, is, I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> yeah. She says what she says. Um, she addressed the allegations of a toxic workplace at her talk show last year. And she said, Things happened here that never should have happened and the necessary changes had been made. Her stance appears a little different now after announcing the Ella DeGeneres show is nearing its end. In a Thursday interview with today's Savannah Guthrie, the comedian was asked if she felt like she was being canceled and replied, I really didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. It was too orchestrated. It was too coordinated. She then suggested she was a victim. People get picked on. But for four months straight for me, she said, um, per variety, I am a kind person who likes to make people happy. And I had no idea. I never saw anything that would even point to a toxic environment. I have to say, if nobody else is saying it, it was really interesting be because I'm a woman. And it did feel very misogynistic. Hmm. So, so is it that she's a woman? Like she's. Being, because here's the thing. I I will say this about Ellen. Something I said yesterday on a look at me. I'm about to drop on a film shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like hear myself. I edit the audio sometimes, and I'll hear myself drop it. I'm like, Marie, you sound so ugh. <laughs> the bass in your voice goes. Down. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> but but I will say, like someone mentioned that. Um, there was a director um, that came in and the way she said, she goes, and he was nice. And I was like, you say that like, that's a strange thing. <laughs> and it is in our business. Is it not like when we say that someone is actually nice, that's like a rare thing. Mm -hmm. When did it become like all of a sudden everyone's nice and there's only Ellen who's an asshole. Right. <laughs> Oh, there are lots of assholes out there, but you know, I guess they just decided that it was her time. When they decide, when they need your time slot, they need your time slot. They need. Well, she was losing money. That there, there a lot of people stopped watching the show. Mm -hmm. You know, um, 
I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel I kind of feel bad for her in a sense because I do feel like she's been made an example of. Um, I don't think she's innocent in it, but I also feel like I, 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 if I had become successful, how much of a monster would I have become? Mm. You know, I don't know. Like, you know, when you get like certain things at a certain point and there's always like, and then you have everyone working for you, you're not really manning your own store, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what she was, that's what she said in the interview. She's like, I have 250 people working under me. I'm, I don't know, you know, I didn't know who there's like little, they're all broken off into groups and people are in charge of this, people are in charge of that. And she doesn't even know all those people. And that, that was her defense of like, yeah, I didn't know who, but we handled it. But um, then she had that interview with that young lady from, um, what's her name? Dakota Johnson, where she's like, (laughs) I and then Ellen's like, you didn't invite me to your birthday party. Yeah. She's like, I did, actually. <laughs> but, we know, but here's the thing. I know people in this industry that everybody knows, like celebrities. Okay. I'm not going to say who. That I can honestly say, you know, like at times, not, not exactly the nicest person in the world, to be honest. You know, but I would never put that out there because. They're not like um, doing any harm to me or to anyone else. Not really. And that's just their character. You know, and I'm like, I guess this with Ellen. Yeah. If you had a toxic workplace, that's one thing. But I can always tell when I'm working on a show too how the people act. Was it the snake's head that's saying? I don't know. It's also like. Her thing was like, be kind. Like she's the, she's like the picture person for being nice. And then, so if she has a bad day or she's in a mood, it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> that that reminds me of uh, the. Do you guys watch the Billie Eilish uh, documentary? Yeah, world's a little blurry. It's really good. You should you should watch it, Zawadi. You should watch it. I can see you, you did that nod. Like I'm not. It's I didn't watch it. It's I didn't watch it and I'm not going to watch it. It's like, <laughs> I'm trying, yeah. But it's really good. And she says in it, she's a young girl, but she's, she's very bright. And she was just like, you know, you can't have a bad day. She said, this is like so unfair. It's unfair that I get put in this position where I can't have a bad day because, you know, I go backstage and there's all these people and they're like, Billy, 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 you know, take a picture, take a picture. And I'm like, who are these people? I don't know who anyone is. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not feeling good. I just did a show. I'm not really happy with it. I just want to go and, you know, be off on my own. But if she has a bad day when that other person is expecting the moment of their life to be happening, then she's a bitch because of it. Yeah. You know, but that's like, that's, you know, but her brand, is it nice? Ellen's brand is nice. Mm-hmm. Like that's like that's her whole thing it's nice and dead so it feels like a, a real departure to think that okay so even this nice person it's like when uh beyonce when jc fooled around a beyonce every black woman said well i don't have a chance now because <laughs> if you know what i mean it's just like it, it's 
It's a yeah, Holly Berry, yeah. Holly, yeah, Holly yeah. Berry. Remember Wesley Snipes hit her inside the head? She lost her hearing. Y'all remember that? That's <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's oh, right. When All I right. saw when I read that headline, it's so interesting. But the only thing that crossed my mind was, oh, she had a good run. Yeah, I'm right. like, you know, because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I, I don't dig too deep because the narrative that's fed to us is often not true. Like I'm, I'm in the news all the time. And so I'm very careful about, um, media, what's, what's put forth, how people react. It always, I, I kind of feel like a spectator all the time and watching how people react to like these little trigger things. That's really inside. It's really them. You know what I'm saying? It's them questioning whatever. She was so nice to me. And so I, I, I read that I was like, Whatever the reason was, even if it ends up being talked about as her toxic work environment, that might have been the straw that broke a bunch of camel's backs from like a bunch of things that added up to, okay, you know, now it's time to cancel it because of A, B, and C, and D, E, F, and G. <laughs> and and then the thing that everybody knows about is the toxic work environment. So they, they kind of hone in on that. I don't know. See, I, I, it was time for, she had a good run. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> she had a great run. Hey, Zawadi, when you talk, make sure your thing is not bouncing on your shirt. Just so, because we can, it, it distorts, okay. distorts your audio. Just. Yeah, like, but like, how many straight male comics like that are super famous? And I know people that have met him, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's an asshole," but it was great working with him, you know. And it's like mm. they get, oh I, yeah, I feel like men can be assholes, can be shitty, can have toxic environments around them, and everyone's like, "Well, yeah, but they're great." You know? Yeah, look at the work. But look at the work. Right. The work. right. <laughs> he's he's not nice by any means, but it was such an honor to work for him. <laughs> it's like it was such an honor to work for him. Yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They can't see that, Lois. That was so good. She was. What were you clearing from your eye? <laughs> what was that you were clearing from your eye? And Lois? the side of her mouth. And, and the side of her mouth. Just a little bit of. Oh. <laughs> a little bit oh. bridal, like the Caribbean people say, bridal. She wake up bright look like she moat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, are, so black women are more entrepreneurial. I can never say entrepreneurial. <laughs> entrepreneurial. <laughs> uh, black women currently make up most of the most entrepreneurial group in the country with 17% of black women in the U.S. currently in the process of starting or running a new business as a compared with 10% of white women and 15% of white men. However, only 3% were running a mature business over 3.5 years old. Why the disparity? For one, 61% of black female entrepreneurs front their own startup capital while also usually lacking generational wealth and having a lower approval rate for loans. They're also still making 62% for every white man's dollar. Black women are often driven toward entrepreneurship earlier in their careers than any other demographic due to their high unemployment rate. And these statistics indicate a clear need to focus on connecting black female entrepreneurs with resources to sustain and grow their business rather than simply start them. So that's just a little bit of glow up from the yeah. root. <laughs> you know, we need to hear some positive stories. We always hear like negative shit, man. 
But the thing is, is to maintain that is the hardest part, right? Like the business I'm destroying downstairs, the only reason I'm, <laughs> you know. Is it black owned? No, it's, well, the brother is of the bar. He's partner. So I only talk to him. And I, mm. that's, I, that's the thing I want to <laughs> tell him. I'm like, I only talk to you. I ain't talking to that other, that other whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it is, it is a white owned business mostly. Mostly white-owned. Yeah, and I've been paying attention. I'm, I, you know, there's a part of me that wants to stand outside this white-owned business where I see mostly black customers and go, why are you giving all of this money to this white-owned business if you only knew the truth behind this business that exists in Harlem? They are not for you. They don't care about you. I'm telling you, I live upstairs. The woman tried to accuse me of shoving her at mediation. Wow. What? I saw that spot and I was like, why are all those black people packing into that place? It's crazy. I thought, mm. yeah. yeah. And there's, there's a list. There's a couple of listeners. I've, Cause one time I was walking by it and the listener was like, Marina Franklin, I've recognized that voice. Friends like us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? Um, so if you're listening, just so you know, man, they ain't for you. You know, they really aren't. It's, it's, it, it breaks my heart because I know, that all we want is good service and good food, and they do provide good food. <laughs> not, I'm not gonna say anything about the service, <laughs> but the good food—the good food is there. So I get it. I get black folks like good food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's very few spots in Harlem where you could get, you know, like really good food like that and decent service. I should say, you know. So I get it. I just think we need to do more homework behind the places we go into that is in a black neighborhood. Are they are they really doing that work in the community that they say they're doing? Right. Mm-hmm. Are they just taking the profit and taking it elsewhere, which is common? Mm-hmm. So support your black entrepreneur. Support the Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn Moon. We had a soft opening, soft opening uh, this past weekend. Brooklyn Moon is back. Oh yeah, yeah. It's my bro- my brother's restaurant, seven forty five Fulton Street. Oh okay, nice. So the soft opening was this weekend. When is the hard opening? When is the actual? Uh, the hard opening probably going to be in another week or two. I need to hear about that. I need to know. Yeah. I want to be there. I want to cover it. Oh yeah. awesome! Great, great, great. I'll get you guys. I love when Zawadi goes into her. She's like, I want to cover it. I'm on it. <laughs> I <love> it. <laughs> no, I mean, she said the soft opening, and I'm I was really upset that I missed it. But I'm like, well, at least there's going to be another one. Yeah, definitely, definitely want to get that. That's an iconic spot. It was one of the first three businesses I knew when I moved to to Brooklyn 25 years ago. Wow. <laughs> nice. And he's that's still good. there. Mike is just amazing. He's also iconic. So it's, that's, that's great. Oh, thank you. That's my bro. Oh, yeah. that is so cool. Lois, give me an apartment in Brooklyn. Maybe <laughs> where, you, where you want it? But I want to own something. That's the problem. It's so hard. I, if, if I was to own something in Brooklyn now, it's too late, isn't it? No. It's never going to be too late because if the price is high now, what do you think it's going to be later? Also, you never exactly. So now is the time. 
Now, what would you say? Brooklyn? Don't forget she's a realtor. <laughs> she just freaked, she freaked that answer. She freaked that answer. You can do it, baby. <laughs> You're right. You did. you did it. Well, I do like Harlem more. I mean, I'm more of a my if I if I don't get a mortgage outside of New York City, which is more affordable, I think. But if I was to do something in Upper Morningside Heights, is where I'm thinking. Morningside Heights, um, Upper West. I'm thinking. I can't think right now. I can't think of what that area is called. What, Which, uh, Hamilton? Um, Sugar, Hamilton Sugar, Heights? Hamel, Sugar Hill? Hamilton, Hamilton Heights, Heights. Sugar Hill. Yes, yeah, so beautiful pretty. over there. Also, people have to start thinking collectively. I mean, you cannot think about, particularly us, we have to really think about doing things with a more of a, a, a cooperative dynamic. That is the way people are putting together money now and doing deals. I cannot tell you how many people of another hue have come, two couples, and they buy a, a brownstone. You know, they buy a brownstone and, and it's, it's the two of them. It's two couples. So you're talking about four incomes put together. That can make it happen. You form an LLC. You know, keep everything above board, make sure all your contracts are right. Everyone has their own representation. You can make it happen. You can do it that way. Like, so, cause to sit there as an individual and look at these prices in New York, of course, it's extremely intimidating, but it is not impossible. And the first thing we need to do is stop telling us what's going to be hard. Cause the minute you say hard, you put a resistance in your world. There's nothing but resistance when you say it's hard. Okay. It's hard. You said it's hard. Now it's hard. You know, it's just well, like, that's why I've started. Yeah. Cause I, I've just, you know, started looking into, it. I didn't realize I could actually do this. And I was like, Oh, I could actually, the hardest part is as an entertainer trying to get a mortgage. Cause I find that we have so much income, right? Vanessa, like 1099s and see, oh, you're talking about in. standard, standard <laughs> bank nonsense. I'm gonna hook you up. I'm gonna hook you up with my guy, Isaac, of course. Um, <laughs> who uh, basically is a mortgage broker. Why I prefer mortgage brokers over banks? Because banks can only offer you the program that that bank has, you know, whereas a mortgage broker puts together your entire package, your income, you know, however you're doing things, your credit, all the rest of that, puts it together in one package and shops it around to several places to see who's going to give you the best number. Okay. Yes. I mean, I did talk to a mortgage broker, but she's in LA. So it's a little like she's off and Gina Yashere, she helped Gina Yashere out when she was in Brooklyn. Yeah. And she, she was the one who she had the conversation with me that, you know, you can't just go with anyone. You have to go with someone who really understands that you have, uh, a, you know, different income. It's not. Exactly. You're not a salaried person. Mm -hmm. Makes you a different individual. I told, <laughs> is that I, dog? I that dog is giving us the butt. <laughs> yeah, that's bugs. Oh, oh, hilarious! <laughs> he just gave us. He just totally mooned us. <laughs> oh, look at his little head. <laughs> you know, I sold. I sold Gina's girlfriend's uh, house. Oh, that's right. They told me. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. They're very happy about that too. Yeah. Yeah. We did good. Well, we did good. Oh, you did. Yeah, we did good. <laughs> Yeah. What are we gonna say, Vanessa? Go ahead. Oh, that's just that's Bugs. She woke up from her nap. <laughs> <laughs> bugs butt. That's Bugs butt. So, was it easy to sell Gina's house, or easy. did it take some time? Um, it did take a lot of time. No, I mean, relatively, as far as the gathering of the offers and the rest of that was pretty easy. It was the logistics because they weren't here; they had gone to LA and got stuck out there. 
you know, so we ended up basically, um, along with the, uh, my two other colleagues, uh, Alexandra Foucard and uh, Eileen McGill, we packed up the house. We pretty much got the house packed up and, you know, we got some stuff out of the way, had it staged. And then after we were done selling the place, packed up everything again and then had it all taken out to L.A. So it was a lot of it was a lot of work. The deal in and of itself was not difficult. Okay. But but the logistics of it was yeah oh it was beautiful gorgeous yeah they place. have a beautiful place in Brooklyn I was yeah. so jealous mm, yeah but I the house play. in L A looks great too the L A oh no 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 it's not even I'm so jealous I'm so jealous <laughs> I love it and she needs it. to stop showing it I'm like someone's <laughs> going to rob you Gina stop showing your place stop showing that pool do you do Austin do you have friends in Austin yes yes. Do you have colleagues? Matter of fact, our um, our retreat, we might get to see each other. Our retreat this year, Compass Retreat, is going to be in Austin. Hey. Yeah, I don't know the exact dates yet, but it's going to be in Austin. So we'll hook up. Yeah, let me know. I'll, I could hook you up with shows, too, if you're wanting to oh, do I shows. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yay, mm-hmm. look at that. <laughs> Vanessa, let me ask you this. Vanessa, have you, because I know Lauren Michaels is a huge fan of yours, right? Is he? <laughs> i read that somewhere i remember reading that and going what what is he doing with that not not a damn thing (laughs) (laughs) are you writing any writer's rooms or no i mean i've uh submitted to a couple uh i have some hopefully i'll get one soon but i would love to write on a show or have my own show, Lauren, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cause I, I see it. I, yeah. I see it. I see it happening. Get yeah. ready because Amy Coney Barrett has now has a green light to try and gut row on Monday. The Supreme court finally announced it would hear a case on Mississippi's 15 week abortion ban a rule that directly challenges Roe versus Wade's mandate that states cannot ban abortion before a fetus is viable. If Mississippi's 2018 ban is upheld by the now staunchly conservative court, it would not only further restrict access to abortions in a state where access is already severely limited, it would also open the door to more and more restrictive bans that up to now have been determined to be unconstitutional. So, it's the moment that Amy Coney Barrett has probably been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Do we think that she's going to do this or like what? Is it? It's in Mississippi. Should I care about Mississippi? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that in a I'm saying that in a facetious way. But. <laughs> Aren't isn't your family from Mississippi? Everybody from Chicago's family is from Mississippi. Mine is. Yours isn't. They are, but I don't know those people no more. <laughs> wow. <laughs> My family, yeah, all of our roots are in Mississippi. They're there, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> everybody, like, everybody gone. I'm a, I'm on the I'm on the film set now. I don't know those people. <laughs> oh my god. Do you th- what is going on? It seems like so much is happening right now to upseat like just um democracy in america mm-hmm. right and trump and trump i mean you know uh do we get to blame obama for this for ridiculing donald trump at the uh white house correspondence dinner 
such that he became a, a candidate and then became president of the United States and nearly destroyed this country. And 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 the when I think of when I think about laws like this, it's like it's always a slow insidious thing. This has been going on for some time now. So just getting her on the Supreme Court is now going, I mean, they're they're just about three quarters of the way there. This is not the beginning of this process of eroding women's, you know, uh, uh, rights to their bodies. You know what I'm saying? This is, uh, it's been going on for some time now. And I, I don't want to say I'm fearful. I am hopeful. This is my therapist in my head telling me to, when I speak, make sure I'm saying the thing that I want and not the thing I'm afraid of. I am sincerely hopeful that the, democratic elements of our country will band together and make sure that we remain a place where one man, one vote, and a woman has a right to her body. There are things on the horizon set into place from Trump's presidency and actually before that, that the pendulum could possibly swing very far in the opposite direction once uh, Biden's presidency has concluded. That's as positive as I could say that. <laughs> yeah. We got to hold on to some type of pause, some something. Or go to Canada. Let's go to Canada. I have too much snow. <laughs> too much snow for Vanessa. <laughs> I've heard some arguments that over the course of this podcast that Canada is not all as cracked up to be. Yeah. 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 yeah too. I got a lot of relatives there. I spent some years there as a child. I mean, I still love it. But uh, in speaking to my stepdad, I had no idea. Like they're practically under martial law right now, which is crazy. And oh, no wow. one's hearing anything about it. Really? Yeah. yeah wow. It's really bad. So yeah, can't go there either. Since yeah. we're talking about laws and I know Vanessa, I feel like I'm excluding you from the New York conversation. So I apologize. Oh, it's all good. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> it's part of me wanting you to come here though. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm going to end up there now. Now that I'm back from LA, maybe New York's the next little jump. You may have to, <laughs> um, but you know, someone told me to talk about the mayoral race of New York city because it should affect globally. I guess the, the, someone said, whatever we do in New York affects the world. What are we thinking about the mayors in New York city? The anyone like anyone in particular? I mean, um, Andrew Yang does not have my vote. <laughs> because, because they knocked on my door this weekend when I was trying to sleep. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. And at the farmer's market, they approached me like maniacs. It was like 20 of them on me. They just descended what? on me. I was like, I'm trying to look at this dog. <laughs> <laughs> Get the pamphlet out of my face. Yeah. When the, it's too aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. But, well, well, it's like, I guess it's campaign time. So. Yeah. Who are we who are we thinking of? So why you got someone you like or you don't want to say? <laughs> yeah, I don't usually publicly endorse until mm -hmm. I just I usually don't. But <laughs> I'm not entirely excited about any of the candidates. Mm -hmm. Even though I like the woman, what's the uh uh looking her up here? The black woman with the braids. Yeah, I like her too. Maya Wiley? Maya. Yeah, the attorney. Yeah. You know, I, I love her as um, 
I love her. I love her mind. I love her brain. I love her point of view. Um, I think she's an excellent woman. She's always been personable every time I've met her, but I, sometimes I worry whether, you know, this job is almost worse than the presidency, <laughs> the job of the mayor. And I, I worry about her. I'm like, is she going to have the teeth for this? Is she, you know, is, is she, they better not eat her up. Like they, you know, I just, I feel personally, um, protective of her and not wanting to set her in a position where she will have darts thrown at her because I think it, that's going to be very upsetting to a lot of black women. And, um, so, I mean, I like her as well. I'm just like, mm, let somebody else do that. job. <laughs> I think Eric Adams is sounding like, I, I can see where people would hesitate at Eric Adams. Cause he's like a former, what police guy. Look at this is how I talk politics. Did he do some policing? <laughs> Police <Yeah. guy. laughs> yeah. And people are really concerned about crime, you know, in New York City. It's so interesting how the conversation has gone from defund the police to concern about crime. I mean, but we do have a serious situation in the subways with crime in New York City. Oh, sorry, Vanessa. I'm not making this sound attractive at all. <laughs> well, get, come, we'll get you a scooter. It'll be okay. Yeah, yes. Um, get Bring your bike. But um, Eric Adams does seem to be the most familiar, um, seems to be able to communicate with people and to get things done. I don't know. If I know what I'm talking about. He pulled ahead yesterday. He's for the first time pulled ahead of Yang because uh, they're going like this, like, you know, back and forth. But, um, you know, he, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> well, on, no, figure it, on, well, tell us the part you can say. Try to figure it out because I want to hear some of it. Actually, that's one of his biggest hurdles is trying to because he definitely has the black community's ear. And he's got certain segments of our community's ear um, because of things like him being a part of the police department and people being concerned about crime. But um, he's very much so concerned about uplifting the um, communities that have been underrepresented and um, not as supported in the past, i.e. black and brown communities. And because and he was outspoken about it before he made his official announcement to run for mayor. So that's a hurdle unfortunately you know it shouldn't be a hurdle it should be something excellent and positive in this climate but now that's become our those words and the things that he said and the stances he's taken have become a big hurdle with other communities you know ethnic and cultural communities they see him as um being focused only on um communities of color you know so as a person of color who's running that's always the fear in general you know, from the larger population, never from us, because we've had to deal with out of you people who weren't of color most of the time. But, you know, now that, you know, a person of color is running who has been very outspoken, has not minced his words. I mean, he's had meetings as recently as six months ago saying that I'm going to put so much of my effort behind uplifting black businesses. I'm going to make sure that we put money. Like He's really focused. That's his rhetoric. So I am just. Um, yeah, that's what I'm I'm a little bit kind of looking at him like okay, you got he's got to be careful in how he like the dance he he has to 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 take around that issue. But I I like Eric. He's a he's a good guy. He's like your Yeah, I met him. Your uncle, your smart uncle. Yeah. Who's vegan now? Yeah, he's vegan. He talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Another reason too, because he he turned my husband um, plant based. From we did a art, couple articles on him after he reading a book that he did. He um, changed our diets just from you know learning from him. So yeah, yeah he trimmed down a lot. He looks he looks great. How about you know nobody wants Mark McGuire who thinks a house costs a hundred thousand dollars. Nobody wants him. No, <laughs> no. Oh God, no. Oh, that's right. <laughs> They don't cost that. <laughs> obscene, obscene. Scott Stringer, maybe Scott Str- uh, Scott Stringer. If not Eric Adams, they tried to bring him down. Well, though that the little Me Too he had. Yeah, I mean, he's he so had nice. Look, look at him. You know that he's Me Too so had nice. to be really little. Had to be the littlest Me Too you've ever seen. So it is. <laughs> it is interesting how the Me Too. Um, <laughs> The littlest Me Too you've ever seen. It was a little Me Too. Well, you know, the thing is, it, it, it does seem to be changing, like, our reactions to the Me Too's. Like, when his came out, there wasn't this big, like, yeah. even with Cuomo, like, I don't know what's happening. How long is, is it Keisha? What's her name? Letitia James. Mm-hmm. Tish, yeah. Tish. Ha, Tish James. Mm-hmm. When's she going to finish the, re- the, um, the investigation. The investigation. How long that gonna take? Girl, they wait for everybody to forget about that. You gotta understand the inter- interconnectivity of the the mayor and the governor's situation here. First of all, I don't think she would have become mayor. Or she would have become um, uh, AG without Cuomo support. I I think that the machine got behind her and made it happen. So that's something that I mean she may have kind of outsourced it to the side. She's not take. She's more so focused on the Trump family and that whole thing like that. I mean, you think somebody else on the side might be handling that? At least I, I thought so she says she was supposed to handle mm-hmm. it. It's it's a hard, yeah, it's her office. But, you know, as her being the person who's like the front, the face of it is she's not the face of it. And she can't be because it's like, you know, that's that's my friend. How are you going to do your friend like that? I want to know when, speaking of Tish James, when she filed like a lawsuit every week against Trump and his family and his corporation. And it was feeling so good. I was like, as soon as this man is out of office, he's going to be hit with a ton of lawsuits. But then all of a sudden they got quiet. I'm like, is this man untouchable? Is Trump untouchable? Does he, did he make a deal with the devil? Because I have never heard her office so quiet since the election um, of Biden. And I get press releases. We were getting press releases every day from our office. We filed this lawsuit. We filed that lawsuit. I was like, go Tish, you yeah. know? And then I was like, oh, he's going to be, he's going down. And as soon as Biden was elected, not a cricket from their office. And wow. I'm like, what happened? Is it the, it's the Republican party's response to him. I think you, you're seeing how they got rid of Cheney. It's, it's very like they unexpected how much they, they're protecting him. A large percentage of Republicans are protecting. That has to have some effect on which I, direction she goes in. I, I think that part of it is the stupidity of Joe Biden putting out that first message behind it of let's just, you know, get the country together. Let's worry about that later. They backburnered it. And I think maybe that may have something to do with it or which is my hope of my heart of hearts is that they are crossing every T and dotting every I so that when they get started down this path, they are going to be successful to a degree that's going to make your head explode. Like that is what my hope is. My hope is that they're being extremely thorough because you got to be careful. Again, much like selling a house, you got one chance. 
you got one chance to do this and do this right because people are not going to stand for, you know, drumming up their emotions again or spending the money as a city, which we do not have. That's the other thing, too. We don't have any money. We might not have the money to pursue this to the, the depth that, that we need to, at least not right now. So they might be holding on to that information. And I hope that, you know, whatever statutes of limitations exist, they do not expire over the amount of time it takes for us to get fiscally able to truly pursue this man and put him in jail for the rest of his life. Mm. Everybody's been quiet, though. I mean, he's got lawsuits coming at him, not only from the state of New York, but like all over the country. And everybody just went quiet, went dark. And I'm just like, it was like a total... Yeah. <laughs> and now, um, now Giuliani's son is running for governor. That's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening. It's just not going to happen. Giuliani Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Never in a million years. Hey, Ju- Giuliana Jr. <laughs> Julia. <laughs> hey, Ju- that's how someone needs to. Hey, Junior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I do want to ask um, you, Vanessa, like, how are you feeling when we talk about diversity in Hollywood and when we talk about like where we are with writers rooms and, you know, with the Golden Globes, I think the Golden Globes is no more. Right. Like where, where, how are you feeling? Do you feel represented right now? Do you feel like there's a new move towards Latino, Latina actresses in Hollywood? Or do you feel like the conversation is mostly about black women right now? Because I, I oftentimes, no, I, I do. You ask that. That's a good question. Yeah, because oftentimes, you know, I'll, I'll do the show and I do feel like we're always, I'm advocating for black women because I'm a black woman, but how are, mm-hmm. where, where are Latino women in this conversation? Yeah, I feel like um, there's always, you know, starting with Ricky Martin and JLo and the Latin invasion in <laughs> 2004. Um but like it always seems like there's like a big push for um, Latinos and Latinas. But for me specifically, I've I, I pitched a show this summer and doing the rounds and talking to execs and stuff. And it seems like uh, it's still like just shows that show us crossing the border cartels. Uh, you know, it's like the same story and they want to, it's like, yeah, I see, I see us, but it's always like, we're suffering there. We're not having joy, being funny, being dumb, you know, any of that. So I, I definitely think there's still a ways to go there. And in terms of like writer's rooms, I was saying, I've, I've never been in a writer's room, but I know friends that have still tell me, you know, there's only that like a couple seats for diversity still. It's not like they're doing full rooms of like, okay, here we go. Everyone's different or coming from different backgrounds. So it's still dominantly white. And then they got like one or two diversity seats. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely feels like there's a long way to go, but I'm, I'm like, I'm here. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> I was about to. Have, I feel like it's gonna happen for you. Something, something tells me every every time I <laughs> every time I I do stand up, it just feels good that like the people in this audience come come up after me and they're like, "Man, we we never see like a Latina like you and loud and killing it." And so that always feels good and gives me 
the push to keep going of like, yeah, I want to do it for my gordita Latinas out there. Absolutely. Gordita Latinas. Yeah. Gordita Latinas. Yes. Not the flaquitas, the gorditas. <laughs> the gorditas, not the flaquitas. Yeah. The gorditas. Yes, represent. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, we had so much fun when we did the... Uh, we did the live show at the Moon Tower Comic. That was yeah. so much fun. Oh my God, that was so, so fun. It was like, honestly, a dream. I was fangirling to be on there with y'all. I was like, ah, this was so she cool. Did it with me. She did it with me, Sashir, and Nicole yeah. Byer. Yeah, that was so much fun. And it was supposed to be the Lucas Brothers, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but Lucas. they canceled on the whole festival. So They went and, you know, got Oscar nominated. Right. They're Oscar exactly. nominated now. <laughs> but that was, a, a that was a great experience because uh, I felt like even in Austin, like, I didn't think they had that experience of seeing, like, a panel of women of color who do comedy discussing remember we were discussing the presidential race yeah. before yeah and it was like a whole room of white folks. all white people yeah it was great <laughs> they, they were probably tripping over how uh uh what's the word they use well well spoken you all were yeah. Articulate. I think, thank you i think you asked me on the podcast you were like is austin white and i was like yeah <laughs> it's very, <laughs> it's very white. <laughs> yeah, I was like, where, where are the people at? Yeah. I just, I just know I'm. We were speaking of guns. I was very careful as to how I, my, my temper is not the same there. Because yeah. it's an open carry, right? Is that what you call it? Yeah, but again, in Austin, we're like in our little blue oasis. They call it. So I. I it's rare that I see people carrying guns around here, but like I said, just 20 minutes anywhere and then you see it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I have to say this was a really great conversation. Yeah. Thank you ladies so much for being a part of friends like us today. Um, so I'll start with you, Vanessa, where can our listeners find you? Uh, yeah. So y'all can find me at vanessacomedy.com. All my socials are on there. I got an album. My birthday's tomorrow. You can check that out. Oh, on the- yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's, uh, so y'all can check out the album on there. And with friends like us, I feel like we can buy a house anywhere. That's right. Thank you, Lois. Oh goodness, uh, you can find me at Lois is Lois is funny on Instagram. Also, uh, Black Light Comedy Show third Monday of every month in the Zoomosphere, and at the Black Women in Comedy Laugh Fest, which is coming up on Juneteenth, from June sixteenth to June twentieth. Come to New York, everybody. We're going to be everywhere, and it's going to be fantastic. And with friends like us. Who needs a proctologist? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I love it. That was perfect. <laughs> Zawadi? All right, can you guys read this? Oh, yeah. yeah. You can read this it? Okay, where, cool. Yeah. This is where fun stuff happens. She's holding up a book. Yes. Yes. So um, you can find me um, on Instagram at C underscore Zawadi Morris. On my personal page, business page, BK Reader online bkreader.com sign up for the newsletter it goes out daily 
Um, and what else? With friends like us, this is where the fun stuff happens. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Ooh, yes. Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. Get the new merch. I have new tank tops available with friends like us. And uh, yeah, with friends like us, you can bring together people from all over the world, from Austin to New York City. And we still have one common thing we enjoy, and that is equity. Right? Equity. Check us out. Oh, perfect. <laughs>